0: Today, you guys are in for a treat as we have Elaine Romero sharing with us. She is the founder and the director of our Safe Harbor Counseling Center here that we have at Rancho. And uh, just someone that, man, we've been in ministry together for 10 years together. Yeah. She's going to be talking about mental health, and this is a powerful topic. And thank you for being here. Let's give her a thank hand you. and let welcome her. Oh, thank you. It's been so great to partner with Rancho. Well, welcome to our third week of the Life Plan series where we at Rancho are looking at practical topics from the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about how those apply to our daily lives. Now, today I am gonna be talking to you about mental health or your emotional well-being, which is basically how you handle your feelings, your emotions, and your relationships, and what does God have to say about that? Now. Our God actually talks to us quite a bit about our mental health in the Bible. He doesn't use words like mental illness or depression, but he uses words like downcast, broken, troubled, and despair. And in Proverbs 4.23, he says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of of your life. Do you see how important your emotional well-being is to God? He says to guard it. It's going to impact your entire life. Now, as you know, in our Life Plan series, we're using kind of a, a notebook. Some of you have yours. And in your book, under verse, I want you to write Proverbs 4.23. That's our main verse. And under main thing, it is guard your heart. We are called to guard and protect our mental health. Now, I want to share with you a little bit about my own history with my mental health. Overall, I had a really good, happy life. I grew up with a great childhood. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to college. I got married. I had a career. I have two great kids. I had your typical hurts and hang-ups and challenges in life, and overall, I was a really happy, healthy person. But in 2015, I went through my darkest time. My kids and I went through an extreme loss, and our lives literally changed overnight. Sadly, my first marriage ended in divorce when I found out I had been extremely betrayed. Now, the details aren't necessary, but it was a very painful, dark time for my family. And although my friends and family rallied around us, including many people here at Rancho, I mentally did slip into a dark place. There were weeks and months that I actually cried daily. I was scared, I felt alone and lost, and I wanted to sleep a lot. Sleep became kind of my respite, you know, it's that time where you don't remember your losses. And then I would wake. And I have to admit to you and be vulnerable that there was even a period of time during that time that I really didn't want to live. Luckily, I didn't want to harm my life, and I didn't want to end my life, but I really felt like I didn't know if I could take the next step. I didn't want the life that was before me, and I couldn't even believe that God had even allowed it. I was definitely depressed. I was definitely feeling hopeless. But I remembered verses like Proverbs 4.23, where God calls me to guard my heart, and I knew. I had to take care of myself and my mental health. My kids needed me. My clients needed me. I needed me, right? And even though I didn't want to get up and get better, I knew I had to. I had to choose to guard my heart. So I clung. I clung to God's word through sermons and praise music right here at Rancho. I read articles. I read books, I had a stack next to my bed, some were Christian, some were not. I exercised, I ate well, I went to months of therapy. Yes, therapists go to therapy. I even used the tools that I teach my own clients. And the treadways, both Scott and Jenny walked beside me. They met with me regularly. My friends met with me. My parents and my kids were an anchor for me. And as corny as it sounds, I looked for rainbows. I literally one day saw a rainbow in the sky and it reminded me of Noah's gift of hope, uh, of God's gift uh, of hope to Noah. And I thought, that's what I need to do. I need to look for my own rainbows. You see, the Holy Spirit, He will whisper. Hope to us in unexpected ways to remind us that God is near. And in time, my God did restore me. He restored my heart, He restored my mental health. And you know what? He used people, He used books, He used tools, He used therapy, He used sermons, He used exercise, all as ways to restore me. He wasn't a fairy godmother that just granted my wish overnight, I had to be willing to take the steps that he called me to take to get better. I had to work to become stronger and stronger. And I'm not gonna lie, my journey uh, for recovery, for my mental health, it wasn't easy. It was painful. It was ugly at times. And I felt so vulnerable. I cried. A lot. And during my recovery, I found a beautiful verse in Psalms 126 that I want to share with you, especially for those of you who are hurting today. Because in this verse, it says that even if you're crying, or you're moaning, or you're weeping, if you continue to plant the seeds that God calls you to plant, you will reap a harvest. We're going to show a video with that verse. When the Lord restored the well being of Zion, we thought we were dreaming. At that time, we laughed loudly and we shouted for joy. At that time, the nations said, the Lord has accomplished great things for these people. The Lord did indeed accomplish great things for us and we were happy. O oh Lord, restore our well-being just as the streams and the arid south are replenished. Those who shed tears as they plant will shout for joy when they reap the harvest. The one who weeps as he walks along carrying his bag of seed will certainly come in with a shout of joy carrying his sheaves of grain. Psalms 126, our God can restore. With every devastation, he will always rebuild. And if we continue to plant the seeds that God calls us to plant, to move forward, to care for ourselves, to guard our heart and our emotional well-being, even if we are in tears, we will reap a great harvest. Now, not only did God restore me, but God brought me the blessing and the honor to become a wife again. I did remarry. And although it was my God who restored me, it is my husband, Abe, who walks patiently beside me as my life partner to support me, to hold my hand as I learn to trust again. You see, God even uses our loved ones to guard our hearts, to protect our emotional well-being. We are designed to be interdependent on one another, to care for one another. Now maybe you too have suffered a painful loss and God restored you. Or maybe you are currently in a very dark place right now and you're lost, and you need to hear me say, your God can restore your well-being. You can thrive again. In fact, I'm gonna bet that that half of this room can relate to what I'm saying, because statistics show that 50% of all adults will suffer from depression, anxiety, panic attacks, PTSD from trauma, addiction, self-harm, or some other mental health illness in their lifetime. And sometimes these are caused directly by events in your life, such as trauma, loss, or a result of emotional injuries. But other times, people are born with a mental illness. It's part of your genetic makeup. In the same way that a person is born with diabetes, another person might be born with a mental illness. And you'll have to learn to live with that, to care for that, just as if you had a physical challenge. Guard your heart, above all else. Now, another statistic shows that although depression is very common and treatable condition, only one-third of those depressed seek treatment, which is so unfortunate because depression is linked to two-thirds of all suicides, and 80 to 90% of those who seek treatment, I'm going to say that again, 80 to 90% of those people who seek treatment report feeling better in just a few weeks. Talk about a reason to seek help, to care for our mental health, to guard your heart. Now even if you don't suffer from a mental illness, you may also have challenges in your life that impact your emotional well-being. Challenges in your marriage, caring for an aging parent. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've had challenges in your parenting. Maybe you've had a hard time conceiving a child. Or you've been diagnosed or a loved one has been diagnosed with a difficult medical condition. These can all impact your emotional well-being and your mental health. You need to know you're not alone. You see, sometimes in our church community, we put on these masks, right? We pretend like we're okay when we're not. There's this stigma with mental health that in order to be Christian or spiritual, that we have to always be happy, right? That we always have to have it all together. And yet God gives us, right in the Bible, examples of many spiritual men and women who also struggled emotionally. Men and women, he used David in Psalms. He shares his despair, his shame, and his guilt after his affair with Bathsheba. In Psalms 38.4, he says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Jonah. Jonah was so angry at God's plans for him, he ran away. God called him to go to Nineveh to preach, but he fled. Have you ever felt like that? So mad at how your life turned out that you wanted to run away from God? And you know the story. He's swallowed by a big fish, and he's so mad at God's plans for him. He says, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And when Hannah was childless, she was so sad she couldn't eat In 1 Samuel 1, 7, it says, Hannah wept. She would not eat. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And lastly, there is one man in the Bible who literally falls to the ground in grief. He asks his friends to keep watch so he can pray out to the Lord. He tells his friends, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Do you know who that was? It was Jesus, right before the crucifixion. In fact, in Luke twenty-two forty-four, the word says, his agony was so great that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. You see, even Jesus was emotional and he suffered. He was a human being, being human. I'm gonna say that again. He was a human being, being human. And what's true about all these stories in the Bible, including my story, including your story, is that God is with us. He is close. In Psalms 34:18, it says, "'The Lord is close to the brokenhearted "'and saves those who are crushed in spirit.'" You see, our God is with us on the good days. He's with us on the dark days. He doesn't condemn us for suffering or for having anger or for having pain. He doesn't ask us just to tough it out. He reaches down to the deepest pit of our suffering, and he lifts us out if we let him. And I'm going to put up a picture of Christ that really shows that. Man, I clung to this picture when I was in my dark time. If you're going through a dark or challenging time, I want to encourage you, guard your heart. Commit to getting help. We have so many resources here at Rancho. We have classes you can take. We have Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. You can join a group. You can seek pastoral counseling with one of our awesome pastors. You can also come to Safe Harbor where we will uh, give you professional counseling with evidence-based tools that we know that will work, that will help you. If you or a family member are ever in imminent danger, always call 911. And if you need immediate help, you can always call the Riverside Hotline. Now, what if you're not going through a difficult time? Are you still called to guard your heart? Yes, caring for your emotional well-being isn't just about when you're going through a dark time. So in the same way that we need to take care of our physical well-being, we also need to take care of our emotional well-being. I tell my clients that your mental health is like a plant, right? You don't just stick it up on a shelf. You need to take it down from time to time and assess, does it need some more water? Does it need sunshine? Do I need to prune anything out of this plant, right? We need to attend to our mental health. So how do we do that? I wanted to give you today a practical way of examining your emotional health and your emotional well-being. I want to introduce you to a concept called emotional intelligence. Now, we all have an IQ. An IQ is your intellectual quotient that defines the level of your human intelligence. But we also have an EQ. Your EQ is your emotional quotient and it defines the level of your emotional intelligence. Okay, so what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is essentially a person's awareness, understanding, and ability to manage their emotions. Now, Daniel Goleman, author of Emotional Intelligence, identifies four main domains to a person's emotional intelligence or their EQ, and I wanna show you a chart of that. So on this chart in the blue, you'll see this has to relate to your personal competence, okay? So your self-awareness is your ability to recognize your own emotions and how they affect you. So most of us kinda know that, like you know whether you're pretty good at identifying how you feel. Okay, then there's self-management. Self-management is your ability to handle those emotions, right, that you, you feel like, when I'm in a funk, I kinda know what I need to do, right? Whether it's using a tool like journaling or talking it out or exercise or something like that. Social competence is in relation to other people. So social awareness is your ability to observe emotion in others that you can relate that you can understand, that you can express empathy, like you're pretty good at assessing how other people are feeling. And relationship management is your ability to function well in relationships, that you pretty, have some pretty good tools on how to work in your relationships, whether it's in your workplace, your family, or with your spouse. Now, the research shows that people that have a high EQ that do well in all these areas, they tend to strive and perform better in all areas of their life, their work, their social lives, their family lives. And did you know that the EQ is actually a greater predictor for success than your IQ? Because people with a high EQ actually report having a greater satisfaction in life. What did Proverbs 4.23 Say again about our heart, it determines the course of your life. Now, the good news is, is that this EQ is like a muscle with plasticity. You can get better. You can get stronger in this area, which is good, because in a study done by 500,000 people, doctors Travis Bradbury and Jean Graves, the authors of Emotional Intelligence 2.0, found that only 36% of people were accurately able to identify their emotions as they happened. Why? Because we don't teach emotional intelligence very well, right? There's no AP courses in high school for emotional intelligence. Typically, our only education that we have in managing our emotional well-being is what our parents modeled for us in our family of origin. Now, some of you got great modeling. You walked away with a wealth of tools to handle your emotions. And some of you, it's a little leaner, right? You didn't maybe get any tools from your family of origin. But here is a secret. Even if you didn't get the best modeling for this in your family of origin, you do have a fantastic example of someone with a high emotional intelligence right in the Bible. It's Christ himself. You see, even if your parents failed and didn't give you a good model, Christ gives you that model right in the Bible. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can really take them in and see who this Jesus was. You can get a sense for his personality and for his the way that he models a high EQ. Now, let's actually look at the emotional intelligence of Jesus. Let's put that chart back up. Was Jesus in touch with his emotions? Absolutely. He wasn't afraid to show them. He publicly cried with people. He showed anger when people were defiling the temple for their own gain. He expressed joy with people. He expressed feeling agitated and anxious before his crucifixion, crying out to God. He shows us that it's human to be emotional and to honor our emotional selves. Self-management, how did Jesus handle his emotions? Well, we know he prayed, he turned to God when he was emotional, he talked about his emotions with his disciples, his friends. He also set boundaries with people. When he was healing and he was tired, he said, I gotta stop now, I'm gonna go take time to be with the Lord, I'm gonna sleep, I'm gonna be with my disciples. So he set boundaries. And when Satan tempts him in the desert, we see him stay calm. And do you know what he responds to Satan with? God's word. He uses scripture to handle temptation. He uses scripture to armor and guard his heart. Social awareness. Did Jesus show empathy to others? Absolutely. We saw him crying with people. He washed their feet. He stood up for those who were seen as the outcasts. Remember the adulterous woman? He said, go ahead, stone her. They were ready to stone her. Stone her if you have no sin. And everybody put their their rock down, right? He stood up for her. He also felt the needs of others. There's a woman in a crowd who just knows if she can just touch Jesus' cloak, she will be healed. And so she does that. She touches the back of his cloak, and he turns around, and he says, who just touched me? He felt the power going out of him. And the woman said, I did. And he said, your faith just healed you. So he can sense people's faith, and he can sense the power going out of him. Zacchaeus, Uh, Zacchaeus is that tax collector who climbs up into a tree, right, just to get a look at Jesus. And he calls him by name. He's like, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house. I want to talk to you. He was so relational, he calls people by their name. And lastly, relationship management. Did Jesus manage his relationships well? Yes. As we said before, he was very relational. He was kind, loving, forgiving. He set those boundaries when needed. He gently confronts people but he strongly confronts people. He tells us lots of stories of family relationships like the prodigal son. His actions also taught us, right? Remember when he welcomed the children and he said, we welcome children like this. And when he's hanging on the cross, he takes time to connect. He's dying. He's in pain, he's connecting and talking and forgiving the man next to him, on the cross next to him. Jesus was the perfect model of emotional health. He had a very high EQ, and over and over, he teaches us how to honor our emotions, other people's emotions, and that our relationships are important to be real, to be vulnerable, and to relate to others. So, as you know, in this series, we're doing a little work in your workbook, so I want you to take, we're going to set a timer here just in a minute. I want you to take some time if you're by yourself, just to self-reflect. If you're with your family members or friends, talk to the people you're with. Under bucket, uh, actually, under talk about it, I want you to say, is my home a place, is our home a place where people can talk about their feelings? Do we allow that in our home? And under bucket list, I want you to write down, is there one area on this chart that you need growth in? So take that time right now. We're going to set that timer for you. All right. So hopefully you got a chance to talk to each other a little bit about maybe the area that you want a little growth in this. Um, If you want, there's a great website called psychologytoday.com and under tests there, if you scroll down, you can actually find a test for emotional intelligence if you want to actually get like a full score on your emotional intelligence. So it's kind of a cool thing to do, but most of us can kind of assess where we're at. So if you like identified that maybe you need some work in the area of self-awareness, it's hard for you to access your feelings, I'm just going to encourage you, try to honor your emotions in yourself and in your home. Make it okay to express feelings in your family. Really take time to identify, slow down, how are you feeling about things, and try not to label your feelings as good or bad. In self-management, if you feel like you need some work in that area, again, really try to assess what things do I handle well And what are my challenge areas? And if you have a challenge area with one particular emotion, say anxiety or anger or something like that, maybe pick up a book on that. Um, Also remember, try to incorporate positive outlets to cope. Prayer, journaling, exercise, talking. We wanna avoid unhealthy outlets. Things like using substances or addictive behaviors or material things or even perfectionism to try to numb our emotions. Social awareness, if this is an area you need to work on, really try to extend that grace and empathy to others. Notice when people around you are hurting. Take some time to walk in their shoes. We wanna try to not be so quick to judge people because I'm I'm telling you, you don't know the whole story. You just don't. And also serve people. Serving is a great way to really just increase your awareness of other people's needs. And lastly, in relationship management, work on your relationships. Make them a priority. If you're married, come to our marriage retreat we're having in September. Um, You can go to classes. Uh, We also would love to have you come to counseling if that's something that would help in your relationships. Model for kids and grandkids that we work on relationships, right? You can also check out the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Bradbury and Greaves. I found it was a really good book to kind of go over each of these areas and they give you lots of um, exercises as a way to uh, enhance your growth in those areas. Now, the last step on your book is under the decide now. I want you to fill out this section and make one commitment, whether it's that you're gonna get help Or maybe you're going to pick up a book on a topic. Or maybe you're going to reach out for counseling. Or maybe there's an area you want to grow in, in yourself or in your family. So kind of take a second to write that down. And I want to end in reminding you, guard your heart. Let's be that church at Rancho that takes care of our emotional health. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be vulnerable with one another. Let's rally around each other because that is the kind of church that advances the cause of Christ. And that's our mission here at Rancho. Will you bow your head in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for creating us to be emotional beings. Let us appreciate the emotions you gave us and use them as you intended. I pray specifically for anyone here today who is really hurting, who is suffering a dark time. Father, you know who they are. Help them feel you close right now. And may we all strive to guard our heart, Lord, to be like Christ, is our beautiful model of emotional health thank you lord for making us relational beings in jesus name amen all right we're going to put up a slide of the contact information for safe harbor if you ever need our help we'd love to have you give us a call or visit our website Also, please follow us on Facebook or Instagram because I regularly, every week, put up articles or quotes or helpful things, whether it's in marriage or parenting or just emotional well-being. We'd love to have you um, join us. And thank you so much and have a blessed Sunday.